We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 263. On today's show, Brian Hoke joins us in the back half of this episode. Scott, you had a chance to catch up with him. He has not been on the podcast in a while. But before all that, we have to discuss the Yankees' just terrible, terrible series to the White Sox. Yeah, it's been it's been not so good. I, I heard today they were talking about this. this is the first time that they've lost a series to the White Sox at home since 2005, I think they said. That's a long time. That's a that's a team that obviously does not come into Yankee Stadium and uh, and, and beat up on the New York Yankees. And this week, it did happen. And the Yankees played very sloppy, kind of par for the course. I think what we've seen, even though they've been winning some games, you know, as of lately uh, against teams like Baltimore, couldn't do it against Chicago, and and, and really it showed. The sloppiness was was very apparent. I was actually pretty surprised at how flat they looked on Monday's game after sweeping the the four-game series over the weekend. It kind of felt like they finally gotten over a hump. They beat the Orioles, who they struggled with all year. You're probably laughing at that at home. It's like, well, they're the crappy Orioles. They're going to lose 115 games this season. What hump are you talking about? Well, the Yankees hadn't been able to beat them, and they swept a doubleheader, and they swept a four-game series, and it was it was a good momentum 
push where the Red Sox struggled that weekend and they were kind of clawing back into the race. You see the Red Sox kind of having some injuries and and all that stuff. You, You think you get a glimmer of hope, maybe just a little glimmer of hope that maybe the division is not over. They come out on Monday and look like crap. Well, I mean, I think one of the biggest things, too, though, is that you can see you see how fast the tide can turn. I mean, because it, it definitely happened on a dime. It seems like the Yankees were, what, 10 and a half games out. And then all of a sudden you blink your eyes and, um, you know, they as of this morning, as of today, before the game, they were, you know, six games in the loss column. So it, it does it does. It can happen quickly if obviously if one team is taking advantage of those uh, the losses. But. Yeah, they're, the problem is right now is they're just not playing good baseball. And, and and the reason for that, one of the big reasons for that, is because they are man down big time. Um, and, and it's not just the guys that aren't there, but it's also affecting them because the guys who are there have to play every day. Even if you would normally get days off, even if you're in a slump and need some rest, these guys have to play. There's, there's nobody else. So, you know, I, I think yeah. it affects the guys that are actually there as well, all these injuries. That's a good point. Yeah, hopefully they're going to be they're going to be manning up in a couple of weeks with Didi and Sanchez scheduled to come back when once they go west. And then who knows? Maybe by September fifteenth, the final Bronx Pinstripes crew event of the season, Aaron Judge might be at least holding a baseball bat. Can can we at least get that at that point? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dry swings. Can we get some some dry <laughs> humping swings? I mean. It's it's pretty crazy how how he's uh, taken forever, but yeah, this uh, w- hopefully he'll be he'll be able to um, hold a bat and 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 you know g- great scenario would be him actually playing, but it's uh, it's looking bleak and bleak. But if you are going to the September fifteenth game, make sure you guys go out and get your tickets. Uh, again, we're doing the promotion uh, for if you bring your crew ten or more, you get your ticket as the captain of that crew for free. If you do it five or more, you get half off of your ticket. So send those messages out. Get your friends together. This is the last one of the season. Um, it's going to be a, a good time, and it's always fun to uh, to kind of celebrate a, a good season uh, and a fun season hanging out with uh, all the other Yankee fans and the BP crew. Um, and we'll, we'll have that all culminated really for September 15th. So go get your tickets. All right, so as we were saying, the, the current standings, now the Yankees are seven games in back of the Red Sox because they, they swept the two games against the Marlins. They struggled to do so. They had to walk it off on Tuesday and then the Red Sox scored 11 runs in the seventh inning after being down early to the Marlins but they did lose Price Uh, we don't know how long he's going to be out he took a liner off the wrist and I'm saying all this because like you just said with the Yankees being down well the Red Sox are also going through some of this stuff too with Sale on the disabled list and possibly Price missing a few starts now with, with that liner yeah I mean and it's a it's an opportunity that the Yankees have and and really you don't have to take advantage of it. And they did the job. They did what they needed to do in Baltimore. And, you know, Chicago, who's been playing better. I mean, they're, they're not a good team, but they're pl- they've been playing better as of late. Came in and just didn't make them. The Yankees made a bunch of mistakes. And the White Sox took advantage of it. And today, we're looking at a guy who's been a, a, you know, a minor leaguer pretty much for, for a long time. And come in and hit his second career home run and drive in all of their runs. One guy. Uh, you know, and, and it's just... It's just one of those things where the Yankees were, played sloppy tonight, but they also had some some terrible luck, I, I think, with Stanton hitting the ball pretty hard. The ball that goes behind the catcher, uh, and they make a, even a bad throw, but a pick and get right. Glaber at home. Like, they did everything wrong, and, they, and still Glaber got was it. still out. It yeah. was so frustrating. Yeah, so there's there's a lot of things that, you know, just the ball certainly didn't bounce their way tonight either. Um, but, you know, they got to take advantage of these opportunities when you have uh, a Red Sox team that is losing – you got to take advantage of it. Yeah, I think at one point, Cone said on the broadcast, the Yankees had six balls hit over 95 miles an hour, and none of them were hits. Yeah, that's, and, the, uh, um, that's bad luck. But, but the, the bad luck thing, like you, all, like you just said, I, I understand, but it's still not an excuse to lose two out of three to the White Sox. Well, I mean, bad luck is bad luck. It definitely contributes to, to fluky wins like that. So, I mean, if you're going to lose a game and, and bad luck has to do with it and you're hitting the ball hard, you're, do, you're squaring it up and doing those things, they're just not dropping. That's just baseball, Susan. I mean, But they were doing other bad things, too. They were I mean, doing they- other bad things also. There were other bad things that happened, yes. Um, but, I mean, look, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. they got to beat these teams. But they, they just, you know, they, they need to at least win the series. That's it. They need to focus on winning the series. Uh, the defense, I thought, was atrocious, especially in the first game. Uh, they made three errors on Monday and then two errors on Tuesday. There was a point late in that game on Tuesday where 
in the series to that point, they had more errors than hits. I know things changed. They they stole that win. They totally stole that win with with the the, the all the home runs late on Tuesday, but Andujar uh, made a few bad plays at at third base. Uh, uh, Stanton could not make a play out in right field, and then the Greg Bird dropped easy chest high throw to lead off the game on Tuesday was kind of just like the cherry on top of everything. But what that meant is. Tanaka had to throw more pitches. Lance Lynn had to throw more pitches. The bullpen had to come in earlier. And it just piles up. Yeah, no, the defense has been sloppy for, for quite some time now. I feel like it's everybody's been on Andujar's butt for, for making these errors. And, yes, he's made a bunch of errors. But you look at, at, at some of the numbers, and even Torres, I, I mean, I think – when you think of Glaber Torres and on you know like broad strokes, and you're thinking of him as a defender, people are like you know a lot of people who didn't know those numbers and didn't see the numbers uh, and, and remember every single error would say yes, he's a good defender. The guy makes because he makes good plays, he makes the flashy plays, um, and then you see some of him uh, you you know he makes some of the bonehead ones. But he's got 15 errors in 96 games, whereas Andujar has got 14 and 114. So Andujar is actually. You know, when you're looking at the the number of errors, is doing better than Torres right now. It's yeah, it's kind of crazy. The eye does not think doesn't make you believe that. Yeah, but we know. Uh, we talked to Brian Kenny. The error is not the end all be all to measure someone's defense. Sure, that's that's fine. But there's uh, there's also there's a, you know when you're when you're thinking about the two of them, I think Andrew Harris just get more uh, attention because it seems like. One, they're bad looking, very bad looking when his feet are not there, and then the and the other ones are when he he you know makes the the extra little pad of the of the hand, and then it's a timing thing, and those are frustrating because he's there, he can make the throw, uh, he just made it late, you know, and it's that happened a number clutching. of times. The yeah. double clutching on the throw is what pisses me off the most because that seems so correctable. I don't know if that's a nervous tick or what it is, but it's the double crow hop, double tap that really gets him in trouble. Very, very often. Did you hear the A-Rod breakdown of, of the, the drills that they were doing, the Sunday night breakdown that A-Rod had? I was, this was actually some, some pretty good information. That, Lay it that on me. I must yeah, he this. was talking about where he was working with Andujar, and um, I, I don't remember the exact numbers, but apparently Andujar, when he was taking ground balls, he was taking them more casually and, and doing like a, uh, like a five-second clip from hitting the bat uh, the bat hitting the ball, fielding the ball, getting over to first. It was like five point something seconds or something like that. And A-Rod said that you got to practice that at a faster pace so that you're practicing more like the play. And they were cutting it down to like three seconds or something like that where the ball, he's just getting it in his glove and getting it out of his glove fast. And I mean, that's a good drill that he needs to do. That's probably something that he should work on quite often in the offseason and get that internal clock down, you know, a good a second to two seconds earlier because he is taking a sweet ass time over there. Sometimes um, his footwork is not the greatest, so that could also set up to an elongated, uh, you know, way that you throw to first base. There's just a number of things that he needs to clean up. But nice little nugget from A Rod there. I think what I, I was talking about this on Twitter a couple weeks ago that perhaps the most underrated aspect of A Rod's career is how easily he transitioned from shortstop to third base instantly in the in the 2004 his first season at third base first time he had ever played there other than in a stupid all-star game he was one of the best defenders at third base so uh i don't know i just figured i'd, I'd throw that in there yeah i mean I, know you're I, I wasn't a, i know you're such yeah, a big A-Rod i wasn't fan. teeing this up as to like let's just get on <laughs> a-rod for good things because he went over to first base and looked like a little leaguer i mean yeah he how didn't do you explain that, that? um a uh, quick uh, Yankees defensive update stat. This comes from uh, Frank Marco. He does uh, some of our. Uh, he writes on the website and he and he looks up some of, some of the uh, stats that we we do on the podcast here. So on July third, the Yankees were plus seventeen run uh, defensive runs saved as a team, and right now, as we stand here on August 29th, they are minus one. So they have really been declining on the defensive side. I think part of it is having Judge out and Didi out. It's very glaring when both of those guys are out. It displaces other people. So Glaber has to go from shortstop, excuse me, from second to short. That weakens second base. And then you have Walker in there, Torres in there, who are not as good defenders as Glaber, despite the fact you just said the 15 errors. He's still ad- on the advanced metric side, shows pretty well. And then Stanton, for as solid as he is in right field, is not Aaron Judge. 
Well, out ne- there. And neither is Shane Robinson or Neil oh, Walker. God because, no. because these guys are going out there as well and and trying to play right field too. So yeah, I mean having Judge out of the out of the lineup uh, and out of the uh, the field, uh, you know, playing defense in right field is a huge deal. Um, and then yeah, and then even Didi now has been out. Uh, at shortstop, so you're switching guys all around, and I mean, I got to give a lot of credit. Like that's that's a bad number. The fact that they're, uh, you know, they've they've had that big of a swing, um, but uh, you know, I, I got to say, there's a lot of credit that needs needs to go to Neil Walker. I feel like we we crushed him so badly in the beginning of the season, and honestly, this guy has been one of the the saviors of this team while these injuries have been happening. He's going out the right field, and yes, he's made some a couple bad errors, but he also has played some some decent right field. But he's not a right fielder. He's no, going you can't get he, on him for making a no, mistake in right field. Not. He's been an infielder his whole life. Yeah, he played third base today. He's played first and second. Like the guy's played all over the place, Good. and yeah. and ever since the All Star break has been hitting. So I mean, I, I just want to shout out Neil Walker again because the dude has been unbelievable, and I feel a little bad for the beginning of the season because the guy. Why though? Because he was actually having a worst offensive season than Chris Carter was last year. We did the comparison metrics. The guy, no, I know that. He was historically bad offensively. But and the thing we, is, we even said, well, this isn't the real Neil Walker. Like, we have well, that's, years that's the of reason. data to show us that Neil Walker is a, is a better major league player than right. this. And that's the reason, I think. That's, that's why I think I feel a little bad about him. Because, one, now he's doing well, so you know, what have you done for me lately? And he's done a lot for me lately. So there's a, a, a tad bit of guilt on, on the, uh, the amount of, of hatred that I have uh, spewed towards Mr. Neil Walker. All right, maybe you should feel some guilt for jinxing Sonny Gray this season. I don't feel that, any guilt for that because he's just, that's, that's all him. That's, that's just, he's just weak. He's but weak, weak between the, the ears. The injuries are, are definitely a factor on this team right now. And it's something that I see people bitching about on social media. Well, why is Boone sitting Bird, sitting Romine, sitting Gardner against Radon, a left-handed pitcher, and playing Shane Robinson, playing Neil Walker, who's not as good from the right side, and playing Luke Voigt? Well, what do you want him to do? The, these are the, this is the bench he is, he is given right now. He is not the one who's supposed to go out there and and trade for or claim another outfielder on waivers. That's Brian Cashman's job. All Boone can do is play the players that are in the roster. And everyone was loving Luke Voigt after the monster weekend he had. So, of course, he's going to be in there. And then Romine or Higgy offensively, I really don't see that much of a difference. Romine has been terrible offensively lately. And Gardner is is hitting 200 in the month of of August. So what is Boone to do as far as the lineup construction goes with the players that he's given right now. And he's got to give Gardner a day off here and there. He's got to. I mean, not only does is he in a horrible slump, and we know how streaky he is, and, and part of it is because he plays all the time and plays hard and usually plays beaten up a little bit. So Gardner's got to get his days off. He's not getting any younger. And the fact that you know he really hasn't had um, the, the convenience to, for someone to go out there who's worth a damn to go out and play left field for him you know, ever since we've we've gone down with uh, ever since Judge has gone down, he's been playing, you know, all the time. So uh, getting getting him in a, a rest uh, against a tough lefty, I don't hate that at all. It's just the, the the problem is is the guy who's going in for him. That's the problem. But you got to get that guy a day off here and there. Right. I mean, Gardner's hitting two hundred in the month of August, but what is Shane Robinson? He's even he's half that. <laughs> so so really, yeah, he's yeah, half no, that. Uh, exactly. So, I mean, I, I guess you could say stop leading Brett Gardner off even against right-handed pitchers. Yeah, I mean, I guess. It's just, you know, the, the thing is with, with Gardner is he's got to get that rest in between because I feel like he's got that uh, – he needs to reset the engines a little bit. And, and when you have a, a fully – you know, a full array of outfielders uh, and, and, a, and a fourth and fifth guy that you can actually depend on and can go in there and – and give you a you know some good at bats and some good field, then you you know you can sprinkle in some days off for him. But I really think that's contributing more to you know the sinking ship of his batting average and and the uh, uh, the slump that he's in. I mean, we all know that he goes through slumps in the second half of the season. He's been doing that for most of his career. It's just what it's just what happens with him. He breaks down. Uh, but there is a point where he can you know get get to a a, a good place, and, and I think those days off contribute to that. And perhaps an underrated uh, aspect for Stanton at least, and him playing through all of these injuries, he's been dealing with a nagging hamstring for a while now, and he has only missed one game the entire season, and he's played 82 consecutive games. So at least he's been there every day in the lineup, 
especially while Judge is out. I know he's struggling. He is on a 6-for-39 slide since he hit home run number 299. I don't know what it is about these players that when they're about to hit another milestone of home runs or, or whatever it is, it just gets in their head and they can't do it. It happened with A-Rod time and time again with 499, 599. Uh, I was going to say 699, then I realized he never got there. <laughs> The, yeah, I mean, I think it's just a little bit of pressing for, for a lot of these guys when they have those milestones. But, I mean, yeah, a lot of credit goes to Stanton. I mean, granted, he hasn't been in right field all those times. He was DHing certain uh, certain times because of the hamstring. And be, and that just brings another guy like Shane Robinson for with another start and putting him in the lineup. And, and again, there's not much that Boone can do because he's got not many, he doesn't have the players that he needs to actually form a decent lineup. Unfortunately, that's the situation right now. They didn't go out and get anybody. Cashman has has sat on his hands. Uh, apparently, he either didn't like the deals or they just don't like the players that are available right now. Curtis Granderson, people are pining for. Like, I personally don't think we're going to get much of an upgrade with a guy like Curtis Granderson. And, you know, obviously someone else feels that or the Blue Jays were asking for something more, which I have a hard time believing. But I don't know. There's there's just only so much you can do when those players are not in your clubhouse and you have, uh, you know, the guys that they're, you're given. Yeah, and rosters are expanding in a, in a few days at this point. So, I mean, Shane Robinson will still be there, but at least they can use other other pieces during that time as well. Give me some McBroomy, baby. Come on. Give me <laughs> McBroom. Um, so, it doesn't really – so, we're talking about the injuries and everything, but it doesn't really hide the fact that the Yankees went up against James Shields – um, Lopez tonight, who has been really not good the entire season, and Radon, who has been good and got shut down for, for pretty much three straight games. The only time they had an offensive outburst was late in the game on Tuesday when they got into the bullpen of the White Sox, and Andujar, Hicks, and Walker all hit the home runs. Basically two guys with 15, I think 15 losses. Didn't Alex Cobb have 15 losses when he came out and uh, basically shut the Yankees down the first time they faced him? The... Uh, Alex Cobb and James Shields, who I think also has 15 losses. That's a big, that's game, a big game, James. A lot Shields. of lot of losses uh, for for those two pitchers, and then just completely shutting down the Yankees. It was big game, James Shields versus big guy, uh, Lance Lynn on Tuesday. Yeah, not and, and apparently James Shields turned back the clock and was able to to pitch like he did, you know, back when he was actually big game James with with the Royals. But you know, the guy's been around for a while. He's a crafty crafty guy. I think he tied um, either strikeouts or wins or one of those with uh, Jim Jim Palmer so he's 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 climbing the list of of all-time greats because he's been on, around for a long time what is he 35 36 years old I feel like, like James Shields has been in the league forever yeah and he's, he's been, been on a million teams after he left Tampa yeah he's been he's I, I'm pretty sure that when he was uh um when he started the he, he was in in the league young so that's, I think that's one of the reasons why he feels like he's been around forever. And he's old. I think he's 35 or 36 years old. So. Well, doesn't that worry you, though, that a guy like James Shield is, is, is able to pitch well against the Yankees lineup? Even the, I mean, he, he was able to get through Gardner and Stanton and Hicks and Andujar and Glaber Torres. Those are all guys who are going to be in there in a one-game wild card or hopefully deeper into October. Doesn't that worry you? What, what happens when they go up against an actually a good pitcher? Yeah, they'll level up to their competition. Isn't that what we do? We Why didn't they up. level up to Radon, though? He's having a good season. His ERA, his, he's got a great ERA this year. Yeah, uh, you know, the white, he's still wearing a White Sox uniform, so they didn't level up because of that. I got no answers for you. There, there's no rhyme or reason why this team takes days off and then all of a sudden puts up, you know, a, a 10 spot on, on, a, on a particular day. There's, I, I, there's no rhyme or reason for it, honestly, because some, the, some of these we're, we're seeing at home um, and then some of them we're seeing on the road. Um, Judge is, is no longer – we don't have no idea when he's going to be back, if he's back at all. I, I, when I was talking with Hulk, we were talking about that. He thinks he's going to be back. He, you know, he feels like he's going to be back. Um, and he does talk about, as, uh, as we kind of spoke about last episode, about this being a pain tolerance issue. Um, you know, if, it, if it does come down to that, that they don't think that he can re-injure the, uh, the hand by just going out there and playing. So eventually it very well could be a pain tolerance issue. And he may be coming back when, his, you know, when he's still feeling pain in that wrist at some point, um, as long as it's low enough for him to tolerate. So you know, the, it's, it's going to be tough sledding down the, down the stretch for sure. Uh, yeah, that's what we. That's what I had said last time. That I I really see that happening is that just give it a shot. 
if he can come back in the last week of the season and play through it and be decent, then great. But if not, then you just hang it up for the season, unfortunately. I can't believe this is what we're saying. A full month in pl- where they, he got hurt on July 26th. It's now August 29th. He was supposed to be back for a week already, <laughs> was the original estimate, which I am shocked by because the Yankees always overestimate things because it's just the classic oh, uh, under-deliver what is it? Underestimate, overdeliver, right? Is that how the saying goes? It's That's what they usually do. Instead, yeah, they overpromised and underdelivered. Yeah, they don't usually do that. And you know, I think when the when the injury first happened, Judge kind of downplayed it himself too, and, and almost talked about it like, you know, it wasn't that big of a deal. And now a month later, he's still on a, you know, he he's gone from a five to a four on the pain scale. Is that is that a is that a pain scale of one through five or is that a ten scale? He said it's a one through ten scale. Okay, okay. So I mean, we're still you know he's he's not like he's making a, a ton of progress at, at a quick pace, and we're running out of games. Um, so you know there there are a whole other element. There's there's a lot of other stuff that goes into that too, and like rehab. When are you gonna how are you gonna rehab when the minor league system is uh you know is, their season's closing up soon too? There's a bunch of things going into you know getting him back and getting him gain ready. At what point? Um, you know, I, I think that it's interesting that the fact that, that he, the doctors don't think that he can re-injure it because that's something you certainly don't want to put him in a, in a situation where this, uh, this fracture be, could become worse or could be, you know, um, could, could, you know, the fracture could actually either get bigger or, or just, you know, linger on for longer. That is something that they don't want to be, uh, I don't want to be talking about this in January and February leading up to spring training. Uh, he says, so he said he's at a four pain tolerance. I basically go through life at a four pain tolerance. Yeah. I mean, as soon as I hit 35, I'm, I'm like all day for pain tolerance. So I understand I'm not going out there and playing baseball for the Yankees, but I, I feel confident. What I'm saying is I feel confident that when it comes down to it, Aaron judge will, will nut up and go out there if he needs to. Yeah. I'm just afraid that it's not going to be up to him. That's what I'm thinking. But, but again, if the doctors say that you can't do any more damage, then what's the harm? We'll see. We'll see if they actually, I mean, again, uh, we'll see if that, that actually happens. I just, I, there's, there's a part of me believing that, um, that if he's still saying that it's, it's gone down slightly and it keeps going down slightly, then they're just not going to escalate this and, 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 and that could be it. I, I'm, I'm just, I could see that happening because he's such a big deal to this, this organization uh, and and you know he's still uh, he's still the face of this franchise. No matter who else is on this team, he's the guy. So, do you think this is just a conspiracy to get Judge into some Rail Riders playoff games? <laughs> no, I don't think it's a conspiracy for that. <laughs> but I, I think they need to hurry their asses up. If this is going to happen, we need to we need to get some uh, some progress on this goddamn hand. Well, at least I mean the Yankees have Detroit coming in another crummy team for four games, and then the big West Coast trip. It's kind of their last test of the season three at Oakland three at Seattle and then three at Minnesota. Um, and then I know they have the Red Sox in uh, twice in the final two, two weeks of the season. Hopefully those games matter, but there's a chance they don't really matter. So that West coast trip I think is, is the last big test we're going to see this team have. Yeah. Unless it's not right. Unless it's not, unless they actually go out there and play well. And then there is something more to play for as far as a first, uh, you know, as a, a first place finish. Or the other thing is, I mean, if these guys were to go out there and, and stumble on the West coast, then, you know, then the rest of the then games the rest actually of matter them are big games. Yeah, yeah. You just, right. And so 27 games in September, 16 of them are on the road. Yeah. I feel like in, uh, what was it? 2016 where, uh, it seemed like from June through the last game of the season that every single series was, you know, you had to win this. It was a must win. Or the, it seems like, yeah, it seemed like, you know, they were, they were, they went 500. It didn't matter. They, they would just go 500, it seemed like. But it was at like a, a very pivotal time, it felt like, where they were all important. And, and I think now is, is, is very much like that, whether you're playing for the wild card because you're playing those teams or if you do beat those teams, then, hey, you got a division to, to pine for, too. So, you know, I, there's still a ton to play for. Before we get on to the Brian Hoke segment, uh, any final thoughts from Severino's start on Sunday Night Baseball? I know you did a couple minutes just talking about Sevy's start, but you think it's another baby step forward for him? It, di- it didn't feel like a step backwards. That's, that's what I'll say, because it didn't really seem like a step <laughs> forward either. It was, it was just neutral. He just was treading yeah, water. Um, but that's what I feel like we've been seeing for the past, what, five, six starts. It's like the guy has been like you see 
parts of of what you you love and, and you see the um, the flashes of you know those those great pitches and the and the put away stuff, but at the same time. One, I'm not seeing the confidence level. I'm certainly not seeing that. That swagger is not there. And that, to me, is very telling about how he's going and how he thinks he's going. If he thinks he's going well and he's got the confidence to do that, we're going to start seeing that more, you know, that, that confident guy coming off the mound, getting, getting pumped up and, and, just, and just mowing people down and being aggressive with them. And right now, it still seems like he's having trouble putting people away. That's the big thing. That's yeah. exactly what I was going to say because every single time it's 100 pitches in the fifth inning. Right. When yeah. it used to be 100 pitches in the seventh or the eighth inning. Yeah, it's like this has been a friggin' spreading virus on this team. 100 pitches through five, six innings. It's, it, but he's, he's fallen into that same problem where he's just, you know, he's not putting guys away. Um, there's the, there's, he's not really pitching to contact as much or, you know, t- to outs as much either because you'd start to see that the pitch count go down too. So, there's, uh, there's guys fighting off at-bats, I think, too. And, and that's that to me right there. When you see a guy that's fouling pitches off instead of um, either making weak contact or, or just swinging and missing because, you know, the swings and misses aren't coming at the rate that they, that they were the first half, that's what's troublesome. When you see a lineup that the Baltimore Orioles put out there that with guys that are fighting these pitches off, you know, first half Severino's blowing those guys away. 12 total uh, swings and misses on the night. Four on the fastball, five on the slider, three on the changeup. It's every count, 2-2, two, 3-2, two, two, bunch of foul balls. He, he just really struggled to put hitters away. And he got the win. It was the 17th win of the season, which leads the American League. And the Yankees are 21-6 and six in his starts, which is all you can ask for when you send a guy out there to the mound. But we're still, still holding out hope that the April, May, and June Severino returns because – I've said it a thousand times. You've said it a thousand times. I think that's the only way this team can win a World Series. Well, yeah, that, that and they need to get guys back healthy and actually playing well, too. I mean, there's, there's, there's so many more, uh, there are so many more cogs to that, to that equation at this point because of what's happened with injuries. But, but yeah, I mean, that's, a, that's one of the things that they must have. It's a must-have. Severino being right, being, being the guy that they can depend on as their number one. Um, is is absolutely one of the uh, one of the most important parts, and yeah, you know they're going to get him more days off too. They've been already they've been resting him longer in between starts, um, so I expect them to, uh, to to continue to do that. And especially when the rosters expand, I think you know we'll start to see some some days off potentially for some of these other guys, um, or at least you know just just adding a six starter in there. Maybe Sonny Gray gets a, another start here and there. You can absolutely see that happening, um, just to get these guys more rest. All right, that's going to do it for us again. Remember to, if you want tickets to that September 15th event, and tell us why you are an obsessed Yankees fan in the iTunes reviews uh, on the show. Use hashtag BPCrew to enter that. Also, submit mailbag questions for the upcoming Monday show. You can do that at bronxpinstripes.com slash podcast, or you can tweet us, or you can post in the Facebook group. Stay tuned for Brian Hoke. And of course, NAS are the letters that spell... All right, guys, uh, glad to welcome back Mr. Brian Hook, who's obviously the beat reporter for MLB.com. For the Yankees, been covering the Yankees in and out. Wanted to get him back on the show so that we could get kind of a pulse of what's going on uh, in the clubhouse, in the dugout, and everything uh, that's happening with New York. So, Brian, welcome. I appreciate you coming on. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So, as of today, we're recording on uh, on Wednesday, the day before we release the show, but the Yankees are six and a half back, uh, six in the last column. Obviously, they've made up some ground in the past you know, week or so, I think a lot more than most Yankee fans uh, expected, but do you expect a a final rush? Do you think that this is this is possibly something where Boston is actually hitting that, you know, that late that late season? Uh, I don't want to call it a a block, but maybe just a little bit of a speed bump with the uh, injury to Chris Sale and just the fact that they haven't really lost much this whole season. Well, that's the thing, and I, I think that they are having a historic type of season here, and I think they were overdue to have kind of a, a dip the way they are here. Uh, you know, the way things look uh, earlier in this season, I, I figured that this was going to go down to the wire in the American League East. And 
these two teams would be very closely connected going into September. And I think that if there's any chance that those last three games at Fenway Park can be meaningful, I think that's going to be awesome to watch. I think it's going to be great theater. Uh, obviously, there's a long way to go between now and then. But as you said, um, it was a double-digit deficit in the AL East. And now suddenly they look within reach. Um, Having six games head-to-head, I, I think that uh, it, it should be fun to, to have these two teams fighting for something in September. Now, historically, if you look at the records between the Yankees and the Red Sox, they're, they're pretty, pretty dang close to uh, 500. There's, it, it's difficult for one team to get a serious leg up on, uh, it seems like, on the season series or even the, the historical series of the two of them. So the Yankees have to st- continue to do what they're doing right now, and it's something that, that's kind of evaded them throughout this season, is beat the teams in front of you that you're supposed to beat. Boston's had no problems with that, but when we're going down the stretch, the Yankees' schedule compared to Boston's schedule is much more in favor of the Yankees. So um, do you see the schedule as, as one of these big situations too? Because it's going to be tough to win, obviously, five or six games against the Red Sox head-to-head. Sure, sure. and I think it, it's meaningful. And uh, when you look at how Boston performed against the rest of the American League East this uh, season, I think that uh, that's the big difference there, that the Yankees were not able to take care of business for the most part against Baltimore. I know they just finished up a four-game sweep against the Orioles, but uh, for the most part they have struggled with Baltimore. They've struggled with Tampa Bay, and um, the Boston has just kind of steamrolled past those guys. And when you count those games up at the end of the year, I mean, they, they do make a huge difference. So the Yankees do control their own destiny, which is not something you could, could have said two weeks ago. But, uh, yeah, that, that is a, a huge part of it that the Yankees have to take advantage against these softer teams that they're playing here. Uh, the White Sox, for example, this week come in. Even though they've been playing better ball of late, that's a series that the Yankees have to win in their own house. All right, so let's start narrowing down and start talking about the uh, the team and some of the things that are happening inside the team right now. Obviously, first base is a big situation in Yankee land. Everybody is uh, looking at, at Greg Bird and just either you know wondering if this guy's ever going to get get to the you know the, the place where we've seen him flash or that the expectations are, or if this is just going to be the continuing saga of Greg Bird not living up to expectations. And then you know the deal with uh, Luke Voigt coming in and having. That great series against the Orioles and uh, has continued to to play well against the White Sox. So, what are you seeing at, at first base? Is this going to be a platoon for the rest of the year, or is is Voight now starting to you know edge out the the job in Boone's head? Yeah, you know, Voight's uh, been a nice little surprise to this team. I think that uh, his first impression wasn't great. He went down there to AAA, straightened some things out, came back on a mission, and. Uh, really tried to not do too much. You always hear guys talk about saying, right. don't try to do too much, You know, just stay within yourself. And I, I think he's done a good job of that. Obviously, he uh, had a big series down there in Baltimore, as you mentioned, uh, impacted the ball a lot, and uh, it showed some of why the Yankees wanted to go get him. But in, in Bird's case, yeah, the frustration is just kind of oozing out of him at this point. Uh, hit three balls on the button last night, had nothing to show for it. Uh, obviously dropped that ball that was thrown to him in the first inning. And that, you know, I, I kind of laughed out loud at that. And uh, he basically said, oh, man, you know, just what I need right now is to, to make an error on a, a very easy play there. So it's been a tough go for Greg Bird. I think a lot of what you've seen is fatigue. Um, I, I think that, uh, you know, having an, an aborted spring training there, missing a lot of the season uh, – you know, coming back after not playing a full season last year, I think there's definitely something to that. I don't want to make a ton of excuses for Bird because at the end of the day, he's got to put up the numbers that the Yankees expect him to, and uh, he clearly has not done that. But you've seen glimpses of it. Um, you saw it last year in September in the postseason. I mean, against dominant pitching, you know, not every left-handed hitter can take Andrew Miller out the way he did. So you know it's in there. Uh, it's those kind of glimpses are what keep the Yankees hanging on, but I think uh, you're right in that Luke Boyd has kind of forced his way into the mix here and, and made Aaron Boone take notice, and I think that he's going to continue to try to ride the hot hand, and uh, it's up to Greg Bird to kind of dissuade him from that and show, no, I, I, I should be the, the first baseman down the stretch, and that's the challenge waiting for Greg Bird here. So you mentioned fatigue, but do you, do you think and do you – do you feel that the Yankees think that Greg Bird is fully healthy? Last week, uh, Aaron Boone was talking with Mike Francesa on 
on his show and and kind of to me danced around the question a little bit when when asked about Bird's health saying that you know Bird feels good enough to produce at a high level and to me that sounds like if anybody says I'm I'm good enough to do something then 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 yeah there's something going on there do you think his foot is still yeah. a problem Well I don't think he's 100% I think he is healthy I think he's pain free um but he's coming back from surgery and and I think that uh, that that's a big thing uh, as well here, um, you know, it's, it's been a sequence of things for Bird, one thing after the other. seems like we're having the same conversation almost every year right. since uh, 2015 when it came up and, and really performed well down the stretch there, taking over from Mark Deshera. That feels like it was a million years ago, even though it was uh, only, what, three or four years uh, in the rearview mirror here. So I, I think that uh, they're probably pain-free. I don't think he's injured. Uh, I don't think he's playing through an injury. I think that it really does take time to get your legs under him. And I think what you've seen here is a guy who just kind of looked a little sluggish. Uh, if you look at his exit velocities, they were in the 80s for a while. Uh, some of the balls he hit last night were in the 90s. That's better. Um, still not really the way you want to see Greg Bird impacting the ball, but uh, it's something worth watching where I, I almost feel like he's swinging a heavy bat at times. And he was for an extended period here, and that's why the uh, the offensive numbers look the way they do. Yeah, and even just before the All Star break, right? We all thought that that was it. That was it. this is Greg Bird coming out right. of uh, of you know this sluggishness, and, and he's starting to hit again, and he finally does have his legs under him, and then. You know, when they get back from the All Star break, he's just uh, you know he hasn't found that stroke uh, at all. Uh, you know, with with the bat, so it's it's frustrating to watch. I think for a lot of Yankee fans, and just to see these flashes in the pan, it's almost uh, you know when is this flash going to be uh, more of a consistent ball player? That is what frustrates Yankee fans is because yeah. you've seen glimpses of it. You know, it's in there. You know, he's he's got the potential to do it. I mean, this is a guy who was the Yankees' top position player prospect. That wasn't by accident. Uh, he's hit some bad luck, and, uh, you know, who knows if he's going to be what the Yankees thought he was going to be, but every time you see a glimpse of it and you think he's turning the corner, it's enough to kind of keep the Yankees on board and say, wait, maybe this is it here. Speaking of bad luck and, and these injury bugs, that seems like they've taken over the Yankees' season at times, but Aaron Judge, obviously a huge story, uh, the original the original estimate was three weeks. Cashman has come out and said that, you know, maybe that was uh, a little uh, presumptuous and a little aggressive, but it's been over a month now. And, you know, the quote that was that was uh, that that judge gave talking about the pain being at a five two weeks ago and now it's at a four. That's concerning. That's that's very concerning to me. It sounds like, you know, it's it's only gone down just a little bit. So is this something that, uh, you know, that that you're concerned about that that potentially Bert or that judge may not be back? Because I, I got to believe they're going to be extra cautious with him. I don't think there's any guarantee he will be. I still believe he will be back at some point in September. I think that if you can get him back for the last 10 games, two weeks of the season where he can start facing some pitching and uh, be ready for the postseason, uh, you know, obviously that's huge for this team because that lineup looks a lot different with Aaron Judge in it. I thought initially the three weeks was way, way, way optimistic uh, considering he had a chip fracture in his, uh, in his wrist and, uh, that has proven true. Uh, the Yankees talked at the time about how judges' pain tolerance was off the charts, and they figured that the three weeks would be enough to get him back in there, even if he wasn't 100%. You know, I'm thinking back, you know, I remember uh, the Yankees talking about how jump tolerance was off the charts, and he was a guy who could handle pretty much anything. And I think Judge is probably in that group as well, but, you know, we're talking about a broken wrist here, and, and whether you want to call it a chip fracture or whatever it is, I mean, it's a broken wrist, so... He says it's sore to the touch. Uh, it's sore when he rotates his wrist. And when you're talking about trying to turn on a 97-mile-an-hour fastball, I can't imagine that that's going to be very easy for him. So as he did say yesterday, uh, it, it's down to a 4. I assume that's on a scale of 1 to 10. Hopefully it's not on a scale of 1 to 5. Um, but, uh, you know, doing the, the simple math, uh, you know, you're running out of time for that to get down to a 0 if it really is uh, taking two weeks to drop a point there. So, um, you know, you hope for some progress. He says it's getting better every couple of days, but uh, the fact that he still has not been able to pick up a bat and even take a dry swing with it, that, that is concerning to me. Is this, a, is this a situation where the Yankees will feel comfortable if there is some pain and it's more of a pain uh, tolerance thing rather than, you know, him going out there and re-aggravating an injury? So is this something that they would send him back out if he was able to manage the pain? I think so, because this is a situation where – They've told him he's not going to require surgery. It's going to heal. 
Um, yeah, I think that, look, if this had happened in November, you would have no issue about uh, being ready for spring training. So he'll have the whole offseason to rest. Um, and, you know, he said you want to get it down with two, uh, get it down to a zero. Well, my thought is if it can be at a one or a two, is that enough to get him back in the lineup and, and start facing some pitching? And so, I mean, that's a question only Aaron Judge really can answer. I mean, he's the only one who knows what's going on in his body. But I, I think that as soon as he goes in there and says, yeah, it's good enough to swing a bat, they're going to say, go for it. Go ahead. Because, uh, as I said, it's a much different team when you have Aaron Judge in that lineup. And you've seen them call up a guy like a Shane Robinson, and that's a direct uh, result of not having Judge and, and having to be kind of gauge Giancarlo Stanton. Where he's playing through that tight hamstring, and he's done it without complaint. But uh, I think that getting Judge back would be huge for this team. Uh, I think that goes without saying. And uh, they're running out of minor league games for him to get into as well. And I think that's another concern. You might have to manufacture some at-bats for him, send a pitcher down there to Tampa or whatever you do, maybe out on the field at Yankee Stadium and let him rack up some at-bats. But there's a lot of moving parts to it, and it, it would have certainly been a lot easier for the Yankees had that three-week timetable been accurate. Do you think they were using that, that three-week timetable uh, when they were trying to make a decision on, on whether they need to go out and get another outfielder? Because, I mean, obviously they've been trotting out Shane Robinson into the outfield uh, at, a, at a much higher percentage of time than, than I think anybody expected. So does that original time frame go back down to you know, that they, the decision that they made to, to really not go out and get somebody else? That's a good point. That might have been a part of it. Um, I, I know that the Yankees have been kind of monitoring the situation out there. They haven't seen anything they've wanted to go after. But I figured as soon as a guy like a Curtis Granderson cleared waivers, I thought that made a ton of sense for this team. Um, just based on, if you look at what's down there at system, I know they went and signed a guy, Quentin Berry, just to kind of give some minor league filler there. Um, I mean, a major league team with, that is talking about winning the World Series really shouldn't have to trot out Shane Robinson as much as they have. Right. They've done that out of necessity, of course, but um, there are guys who have cleared waivers. I know that Brian Cashman has said it was unlikely to add a guy after July 31 because he didn't think that players were going to get down to the Yankees. They, 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 any player of value was going to get claimed ahead of that. But there are some, some pieces out there, so maybe a couple days left here. Um, I, I won't be surprised at all if the Yankees go out and get an outfielder. I think that's kind of overdue. Um, I, maybe they were just waiting on Judge and believing Judge would come back. But at this point right now, I think you have to operate as though he's not going to come back and, and what you do get out of him is going to be a bonus. Talking about other outfielders, I, I know that um, Clint Frazier had started to ramp up some baseball activities. Is there any more news on him? Is, there, is this something where you know, they're expecting him to come back, or is it just kind of a wait-and-see thing still because it's so hard to you know, obviously predict any, any kind of uh, injuries with the, going on with the head and, and you know, his concussion? Well, that's, and I should have brought that up earlier when we're talking about Shane Robinson. That's the real tragedy is you know, he came into this season, Clint Frazier did, uh, on the outside looking in, it was how is this guy ever going to get some playing time behind Aaron Hicks and Brett Gardner and Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton and Jacoby Ellsbury. I mean, he's like the sixth man down here. And it turns out you look up here in, in late August, early September, and if, if he had been healthy, he was going to get a ton of at-bats for this team, and he would have gotten a real opportunity to show what he could do. Unfortunately, that just didn't happen, and I, I know he's frustrated down there. Uh, he's doing baseball activities in Tampa. That's a very vague term. Uh, but, you know, what that tells me is he's taking some batting practice. He's hitting. Uh, he's running a little bit. Uh, you know, he's playing catch in the outfield. But until he really starts to get into games and that hasn't happened yet, uh, it's really hard to kind of accelerate it. So uh, clearly there's some issue here with the post-concussion migraines that is still bothering him and keeping him out of game action. And uh, that, that really is too bad because the – what we've seen at Clint Frazier at the big league level, he's a difference maker, and um, they don't even need a difference maker. They just need somebody who's a little bit better than a uh, you know league average replacement guy like Shane Robinson is. And Frazier's certainly that. He, he could have been an impact player in this postseason push, but uh, just didn't work out that way. Yeah, and like you said, they're running out of out of minor league games too for for guys to get in there and get their legs under them and, and get some baseball activity. So. Um, certainly the, the, the time is, you know, not on his side as far as getting back into something like that. And you know what, looking forward in, into Clint Frazier, it's, uh, I think everybody talks about the, 
you know, the uh, the unfortunate circumstances that they're in. But the Yankees are going to have a decision to make, I think, in the offseason, right? With uh, with Brett Gardner, uh, you know, with the with the option and, and Clint Frazier as a potential guy. You know, at this point now, they don't, they're not really sure what they're, uh, you know, what they're looking at with Clint Frazier with these with these injuries as well. It seems like Gardner is almost locked in for that for that option now. I think that's possible. I think Gardy's such a big part of this team in the clubhouse. I mean, he, he really is one of the leaders in that room, and I think that if you were going to lose Brett Gardner, you're going to lose a whole lot of leadership and yep. a lot of the personality and pulse of that team. And that, that's not necessarily a reason to keep a guy just because he's well-liked in the clubhouse, but uh, he's been a good player on both sides of the ball for this team for quite some time. I, I think that you're right with the uncertainty of, of that, uh, you know, Frazier's situation with a couple other things there. I think that um, if I had to bet right now, I'd say Brett Gardner will be back next year. But uh, if you want to look at the positive side of the Clint Frazier situation, had he been healthy going in up to you know late July, it's quite possible he could be in another uniform right now. And so maybe this injury, in a way, uh, forced the Yankees to take him off the table and keep him in the organization. Maybe he winds up having a a long and successful career in New York that he otherwise wouldn't have had. I know that that's probably a, a little bit Pollyanna to look at it right now, but, um, you know, the, the way that his season has gone, you, you try to take every sliver of optimism you can. Yeah, I feel like he's deserving of a, a little glass half full analysis. I think it's uh, the kid deserves that at this point. <laughs> um, going on the other side, talking about Severino, we've we've seen him not be the same guy that we saw in the first half, and obviously it's going to be difficult to to duplicate what he did in the first half because he was just so dominant. Um, but you know, we've seen similar to what we were talking about with uh, with, with some of the other guys. We've seen flashes of that old Severino in, in the last I don't know seven starts or so. Uh, but he hasn't really put it all together as a consistent dominant start against even some of these these uh, these lesser teams. Is there something that they've identified specific to you know why they think his struggles, or is this a fatigue thing, or you know what have you heard more about Severino? I think part of it was a fatigue thing. I think the fact that they gave him extra rest going into that start against Baltimore, he pitched pretty well. You saw some positive signs there. There was some life on the fastball. Uh, he was pitching up in the zone, down in the zone, pretty well. Uh, slider was okay. The changeup was okay. And, you know, I, I try not to read too much into a decent start against the Orioles because, I mean, they are who they are. I mean, that's essentially like sending a guy down to AAA right now and basing it on that because they're they're fielding a AAA lineup. So, you know, I thought it was funny when Sonny Gray stood up there and, and after throwing six and a third against Baltimore and said, I'm one of the best pitchers in this league. Uh, well, you know, the numbers don't bear that out. I, I'm – I think you have to do that as a competitor. You have to think that way, but um, I, I, I wouldn't base too much on one successful start against the Orioles. And so I am looking forward to seeing how Severino looks uh, his next few turns here, because if they can get him back to being what he was in the first half as an all-star, and, and look, I mean, this guy has still done really well over the last year plus. Um, I think he was due to hit kind of a soft spell there for a little while. If he can kind of kick it into gear and if they have to give him an extra day to do that, he can be a real difference maker down the stretch because if he's right, if he's pitching the way he should be in the postseason, uh, I like their chances a whole lot better in a short series. And, and given uh, you know where the Yankees are in the standings, I think it's it's uh, still conceivable to talk about the wildcard game as being the, the highest possibility. Is, is Luis Severino still the guy that Boone will give the ball to in a situation like that if it lined up? He is for me. I, I think that, you know, obviously we kind of asked Boone that in a few different ways and he sidestepped it. And yeah. as he, sh- he probably should, it's a month away and, and so much can happen between that. But I, I think that, you know, even forgetting what happened last year in the wild card game where he got one out and they, they had the bullpen had to go get 26 more outs against Minnesota, I think that Severino would be my guy in a uh, do or die, win or go home game. And and that's to take nothing away from the other guys who have pitched well on this team. You know, obviously, Jay Happ has pitched well since coming over, and Tanaka's been up and down. And uh, CC's will keep you in the game uh, when you're out there. But I think that Severino's the guy that this team really needs to, if they've got nine innings to play, I, I'll take my chances with Luis Severino on the mound. Yeah, I agree. I think he's earned that that absolutely. Uh, and like you said, we see these flashes. Uh, he it's he just seems like he's so close to being back to that guy. Just need to see that maybe one one full start of him getting that confidence back. Um, it does seem like Gary Sanchez is getting the confidence back. The reports are he's lost ten to fifteen pounds. When I saw that, I was like, that's a lot of weight to lose in small amount of time. 
what's the uh, what's the the vibe in the clubhouse or getting Sanchez back and and how are you you know what are you hearing about him and how he's feeling? That really is crazy. I mean, that is a lot of weight. I got to find yeah. out what his secret was. <laughs> maybe maybe give that a try. To be honest with you, uh, you know, Boone has said that that uh, Sanchez's conditioning right now is as good as it's been at any point this season, which is almost to me kind of like a backhanded compliment. Like, right. you know, why wasn't your conditioning that good earlier in the year? Uh, regardless, I, I think that if he can come back and be the guy that the Yankees thought he was supposed to be or anything like he was last season, that, again, is a, an impact performer in that lineup because they really haven't had it yet this year. I mean, uh, you know, you look at his numbers last year and compare them to this year, it's, it's night and day, and uh, you say, what happened to Gary Sanchez? Well, maybe that's some of it. Maybe uh, carrying around that extra weight uh, did not work out for him, obviously. Um, I, I'm looking forward to seeing what this new refreshed version of Gary Sanchez is going to look like out there. Uh, the numbers down at AAA, he seems to be hitting the ball pretty well. Uh, and they're, they're saying he's going to catch a couple more games for Scranton and uh, could be back as soon as this weekend. So at the very latest, he should be in the lineup for that Labor Day game against the, the Oakland A's uh, out there at the Coliseum. Uh, I think he could be back even sooner than that. And uh, they could certainly use him because uh, they've gone pretty far with Austin Romine and Kyle Higashioka behind the plate. And uh, those guys have done a decent job. But if Sanchez is right, I mean, there's no question that he is premier side. I, I really do believe that. And uh, they're going to be a better team if Gary Sanchez can come back and, and take care of business the way he should be. Did there, was there any, was there any, I don't want to say animosity, but, but, uh, you know, different feelings in the clubhouse after, after the whole not hustling, you know, to the ball after the quote hustle gate of Gary Sanchez's Twitter, you know, uh, duly named it. The, was there anything in the clubhouse that was, uh, that affected any kind of personal relationships or any vibe you, ca- you, you caught of, of the guys, uh, you know, kind of looking at him sideways? I didn't hear anything about that. I don't think guys thought he was dogging it. I think it turned out he was injured. And uh, so I think that if it had turned out he wasn't injured, maybe that would have been a different case. But uh, that's a legitimate injury, a groin strain. And I I think that a lot of guys in that room have dealt with similar things. So I don't think anybody was looking at him sideways and and saying, you know, this guy's not hustling. This guy's not trying out there. I think – I, you know, I think that it looked bad. The optics were certainly terrible. The Yankees lost the game because he couldn't get down the first baseline. And yeah. Um, yeah, let me just say that it was a good thing that he turned out to be hurt because if it didn't, I think that really does impact uh, what people would have thought of Gary Sanchez for, for quite a while. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, last thing, Brian, the September call-ups are coming up. Um, we've seen some uh, the Yankees are, are just need bodies at this point, I think, uh, especially on uh, position side, but on the pitching side too. Loizaga has has uh, gotten a couple starts under his belt. Who are some of the guys that you expect to come up and, and make an impact uh, once they, uh, ex- their rosters expand? I'm most excited to see Justice Sheffield. I, I think that uh, they've kind of put him on that Jabba Chamberlain track as far as hurry up and get to the majors and pitch out of the bullpen. And by the way, I think I've mentioned Jabba twice now in this fall, and he hasn't played for the Yankees in, what, how many years? So that's, that's crazy. Um, I, I am looking forward to seeing what he uh, can do at the big league level. I, I think this kid's got a really good head on his shoulders. I was very impressed by him in spring training. Uh, obviously, been looking at the numbers as he's gone from Trenton to Scranton and, and now is knocking on the door at the big leagues. And Boone said he's had a couple of multi-inning relief appearances. They've done okay. They want him to get at least one more down there. And I think uh, when September 1st comes, uh, bring him right up and let him pitch out of the bullpen and, and let's see what he's got. And so I think that's the one I'm, I'm most looking forward to seeing. Uh, you're right, Loisga, some of these other guys who you've seen Already this season, I'm sure you'll get a guy like a Luis Tesla, and, and they'll pitch out of the bullpen. But I, I think that Sheffield, for me, could be a real difference maker if, if he's going to be what uh, the Yankees believe he can be. And, and if not, he just gets his feet wet, and, and that kind of sets the tone for next season as well. So that, that's the one that jumps to my mind for that. All right, Brian. Well, hey, I appreciate you coming on and trying to giving us the tone of the the uh, the clubhouse. It's, uh, I know, I think a lot of people are, are back in it mentally when they see how many games they're out of the uh, uh, from the Red Sox now, and especially with the games back. So, um, I think it's going to be an exciting end of the season. Uh, if you want to follow Brian on Twitter, you can get him at Brian Hoke. Brian, thanks again. And by the way, congratulations on the uh, on your new baby girl. 
Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, well, sleep is in short supply, but that's pretty <laughs> much the case. Uh, any postseason tenor chase here. Oh. Uh, it's a lot of fun, and hopefully, like I said, those games are meaningful down the stretch in late September because uh, that's good for baseball, that's good for us as writers, and obviously great for the fans as well. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, We'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.